On today's episode of Sports and the World Football Edition, I give you my top five college football teams, Jay-Z in the NFL, my LFL report, and my top 12 NFL teams. That's today on Sports and the World Football Edition. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, or have been listening to us, whether it's through Anchor, or Apple, or Google Podcasts, thank you for making sports and the world a part of your day. I'm Ladarius Brown, and I hope all of you have had a, you know, a great week. It's early on in the week. You know, I'll check in on you <laughs> Friday, but so far we had a great Monday, you know, a great way to kick off the week. And, and I want to kick off with this. And to kick off with an apology. In doing this list, I realized I made a grave error and I overvalued one team. You know, as someone who grew up watching the news, and still do, I value the anchor of the news. It's why I love Nora O'Donnell on the CBS Evening News. It's why David Muir, you know, you know, on ABC World News Tonight and Lester Holt over at NBC Nightly. You know, Tom Brokaw, was the great anchor of NBC Nightly News, he talked about on the last show he did, he talked about, you know, course correction and trying to get it right. And that's one of the things where I decided, well, should I scrap the whole episode I did last Tuesday? And I said, no, I'm going to come on here and apologize and say that I overvalued the team. And that team is uh, Washington. I had Washington to lead off at five, but I said, I can't do that. When I look at the teams that are, I have, you know, below them. And so what I did is I I made a simple move. I swapped Florida to five. I swapped Florida to five. I moved Washington, Washington to eight and Oklahoma is now at six. So once again, Florida's at five. Washington is now swapped with Oklahoma at eight. So, and I'll make the necessary changes as well. But, you know, I've talked about Oklahoma and I've talked about Florida. Let me talk to you about Washington. Listen, I think they're they're better than Oregon. You know, especially defensively. 16 points a game, they gave up, you know... I'll get a little over four yards per play. They're twelfth in the nation in total defense. They gave up less than a touchdown pass, which makes them fifth in the nation. That defense is pretty good in Washington. They have a great offensive line. This is a team that I look at and go, it's kind of like the team built by Kyle Winningham in Utah, where you don't have to rely on the quarterback position. You don't have to necessarily rely on the quarterback to make the big arms like you may see in Washington State or the offense that Chip Kelly has in UCLA. You know, the Pac-12 is starting to come around when you got guys like Herb Edwards or at Arizona State. Teams that are understanding defense and strong lines on both sides of the ball. And listen, speaking of quarterbacks, listen, they got Jacob Easton, the transfer from Georgia. And listen, in his two years there, he didn't exactly throw, you know, he wasn't, you know, 55% completion, 
16 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 2 to 1 ratio there. That's the question mark. And that's where I said I kind of overvalued because I want them to go out and improve, especially Jacob Easton. And especially with Chris Peterson and offensive staff, who I'll talk about in a minute. Because, listen, at the end of the day, I do trust Chris Peterson. Listen, no losing seasons in 14 years. In 14 seasons. But he's 1-4 in, in bowl games. And we could argue, oh, conference, but Chris Peterson needs a quarterback. Like, we could argue Jake Browning was the best quarterback he had. We could argue that. More than likely, that's the correct and accurate point. But, what I also say is this. If Jacob Eason, under Chris Peterson, can figure it out, I could argue that, listen, I had them going 11-1, 10-2. Look, if they can somehow, some way, beat Oregon and, and somehow escape the trap game, they could go undefeated and they could, we could talk about them being in the college football playoffs. But as of now, Washington, once again, Washington is at eight. Florida, Florida's at five. Oklahoma is now at six. So with that out of the way, let's go four to one. Number four is Georgia. And listen, the only reason why I have Florida over Georgia, see I did that Florida-Georgia line, is that, listen, they play Notre Dame. And if they can beat Notre Dame, who I also have as a top 10 school, it makes it interesting. That lets me know that I think Florida can beat Georgia. I do believe, I'm not saying that because I'm a fan or not for hyperbole. I do believe they can beat. But if they can beat Notre Dame, Florida beating Georgia, it helps them. But I also say is that Florida's schedule beyond their non-conference hurts them. So, and I love Florida, but listen, if Florida can run the table, I could see that. But going back to Georgia, Jake Fromm, listen, 30 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 20, over 2,700 yards passing. I like the quarter. He doesn't lose you games. He's kind of like a running like an AJ McCarron type at you know at a school that will be probably one or two on this list. Process of elimination. But listen, but defensively, they're tied for fourth in points per game. And they got sophomores Jordan Davis and Tyler Clark on that defense. Listen, Kirby Smart understands is that listen. Jake Fromm is not going to win us game. Our defense can. And the only way Jake Fromm helps is if he loses. So that defense is going to be heavily relied upon again this year because that's the format. That's the formula that's all, you know, in Georgia, which is the opposite of what happened with under Mark Rick. But I think with a special team, Rodrigo Blankenship is third in the SEC in both Field goal percentage at 82.6 and points at 122. I really, really like special teams. Especially team, when you see a great defense, you know, good special teams is not that far behind. Because it's not to say that they lack offense, but when the offense isn't there, and that's a problem, that's what I talked about with, with Washington. 
is is that you know obviously Jake Fromm is better than Jake Beasley, but sometimes having a quarterback that can win you the game making the smart throws and not lose you games making the dumb throws. And I think that's the situation we have in Georgia, but more to elevate level with a more talented defense. So I have Georgia at four. Number three is Michigan. And I couldn't put Michigan any higher because I wasn't going to put them that far apart from Florida. Because, listen, Florida blew the doors off this team. Same team, same quarterback, same thing. But the reasons why is that, listen, I expect Shea Patterson, the best quarterback in the Big Ten, in my opinion. Listen, he threw 65%, 22 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Shea Patterson and Jim Harbaugh, quarterbacks, can figure it out. And look what he did to Colin Kaepernick in the NFL. And we'll get to Kaepernick in the next segment. But, you know, Jim Harbaugh, you got the right guy there working with your quarterback. And listen, they're so deep at wide receiver. Got Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nico Collins, Mike Sanisdale. Listen, they're super deep at the wide receiver position. Not a lot of teams can say that. They can throw a great ball. And also, listen, trying to replace Chase Winovich and Devin Bush at linebacker, no easy task. But I think if they can just get guys to go in there and produce, and once again, be smart, not get beat on coverage, they'll be fine. Because they're so good on offense. And listen, there's no excuse in the world why they can't beat Ohio State. There's no excuse. There's no Urban Meyer. They're, they have the better quarterback. And they're, the game's at Ann Arbor. You know, I, I don't want to hear any sort of excuses as to why they can't. Because, listen, this is the best year. If they lose to Ohio State this year, you're going to start hearing that Jim Harbaugh should be fired, chance. Because, listen... I could argue a spot of the ball away we could be having a different conversation we could argue that and argue some man but the reality is that they lost still and that still haunts Jim Harbaugh you've got to beat Ohio State and there's no Urban Meyer you got Ryan Day and I talked about that when I talked about Ohio State so no excuses at Michigan why you can't beat Ohio State this year so I am Michigan possibly going undefeated or losing a game at number three. Number two, I got is Clemson. Listen, I think Clemson can run the table and their toughest game is at South Carolina. Listen, this is what I like about Clemson. Look, Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in the ACC. Notice when we start getting to the nitty-gritty, I focus on the quarterback position. I focus on the sides of the ball more, as I did say early on. Listen, 65% 65% completion, 30 touchdowns. Listen, I like Trevor Lawrence a great deal. This dude, uh, great ball. Uber talent. Listen, he got Kelly Bryant out. And Kelly Bryant's at Missouri. So, that's all you need to know. And listen, their offensive line, they got four starters to help Trevor Lawrence. He's still young. We tend, He's still... He's still a kid. He's still a sophomore. He's still a kid. So, having that offensive line protection really does matter. 
Listen, and they're reloaded on defense. Listen, they got linebacker Isaiah Simmons. Is a redshirt junior. Niles Pickney, redshirt junior. Defensive end Xavier Thomas, sophomore. Mid tackle Joshua Williams, is a redshirt sophomore. And listen, they got to replace defensive line. Listen, Quinn Williams, Isaiah Bugs, and Clinton Farrell. And then also on top of that, Dexter Moore. Listen, those listen, those guys. First rounders, if you take out Isaiah Bucks and Dabo Sweeney, reloaded. And here's the thing: can they repeat? And that was the question that put them here and not at number one, because we all know who number one is. And by the way, the only this and only the one team that's number one has won back-to-back national championships since the BCS era. So. You know, no fanfare to say that listen, number one is Alabama. Listen, this is what I like about Alabama. Look, I think they could run the table or maybe 11 and 1. They're going to be favored in every single game, and their 50 50 game is at Auburn. And I'll get to the, and I'll, and I'll explain as to why. Listen, with Nick Saban, listen, he's 167 and 24 at Alabama, 87% winning percentage. Five national champions of Alabama, six if you include the one he won at LSU. He has 35 consensus All-Americans. All on pretty much all on defense. Nick Saban's the best coach in college football. We could argue, well, the family doesn't play any. Listen, I don't care. Listen, you play who you play and you and you beat the team and you're supposed to blow them out of the water. That's Alabama. And it goes to the reverse argument I talked about. With UCF, I couldn't take UCF seriously as an undefeated team because, listen, you're supposed to blow out the team you're supposed to blow out. And you're going to play a couple of close games a season. But if every game I have to hold my breath and you're just escaping, to me, that's not a dominant team. Alabama's been dominant for the last decade. And listen, they got a quarterback in Tua, Tava Lagoa. I knew I butchered the name. I apologize to him. Listen, he was responsible for 48 touchdowns. That's fourth in NCAA. Listen, 43 in the air, five on the ground. Tula, if he decides to leave, that guy is a first-round quarterback. I think that, you know, and listen, I've seen Tim Tebow play. And listen, and we've seen this. I've seen Tim Tebow. This is probably the best quarterback I've seen from a pure talent position at quarterback who can do the things that Tua does since Tiba. Once again, not hyperbole. I just really believe it. And lastly, listen, beat LSU in Auburn. Listen, all under, listen, this is, you know, from a under Nick Saban perspective. They're 10-3 versus LSU. Their last loss versus LSU, go back to 2011. And they won eight straight. They've won eight straight against LSU. Listen, they're eight and four versus Auburn. Oh yeah, their last loss to Auburn was 2017. Alabama, this is what concerns me since the game is at Auburn. They're three and three at Auburn. That's why I say that could be the game where everyone's riding Gus Miles on. It could be like that Les Miles type thing. You got to win the big game. You got to. If he can beat. Listen. I think. 
that might be Gus Malzahn's job. If he can't beat Alabama, he's done. So, once again, I want to thank college football, the sports reference folks, the college football, the SEC, Mike, for the great stats on Nick Saban, and Athlon Sports for helping me do this list. It's been fun to do. So, once again, course correction, Florida 5, Georgia 4, Michigan 3, Clemson 2, Alabama 1. And I'll probably post my top 25. I'll post the recap on social media. Get your thoughts and get your feedback on it as well. But coming up next, we're going to dive into the world of the NFL and talk about Jay-Z. And that's next here on Sports and the World Football Edition. And welcome back into Sports and the World Football Edition. And if you're listening to us through Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public, I truly do appreciate it. And the social media is at Sports the World for both Twitter and Instagram. And the Facebook page is Sports and the World. Go to the About tab and listen to not only this episode, but every episode of Sports and the World. And check out the content on there as well. Now... I want to talk about this. When I think of Jay-Z, I think of not only, and I talked about it on the list, you know, probably one of the greatest rappers of his generation. He's a businessman. He's become a mogul. Jay-Z fought social causes, not just with the NFL with this, but look, he's teaming up with Meek Mill to help his initiative. Jay-Z has always been about community. He's always been about people. And and I understand that the backlash, and I'm going to get to the backlash, but here's the thing. You know, from the CBS News and the Associated Press last Tuesday, the NFL and Jay-Z's entertainment and sports representation company, Rock Nation, are teaming up for events in social activism so on the premise it's a great idea so basically the NFL not only will use Rock Nation to consult on his entertainment presentation which when you have Mariah Carey Rihanna Jay-Z on that you know it, it's not it's not the worst stable in the world to have but they're also there to strengthen the community through through music and the NFL Inspired Change Initiative. And basically, that basically for those who don't know, the Inspired Change was founded and formed by the NFL after an agreement with a coalition of players who demonstrated during the National Anthem. It was sparked by quarterback Colin Kaepernick, then of the 49ers in 2016. So this is circled around Colin Kaepernick. And so all the I said initially, I wasn't on board. But I always stood back and had to retract myself and say, if I support the First Amendment, if I listen, my thing is that when other people, when a Navy SEAL was the one that, you know, I said, okay, I get it. Even though I don't agree with it, not for the reasons that you think. I just simply say is that you're working on the company's dime and doing. I'm not saying the cause and activism was wrong. So, 
you know, Jay-Z received a lot of criticism, fair or unfair. He got one from Eric Reed, and I'm going to get to him. As Vanessa Williams said, I'm going to say the best for last with that. Because I'm going all in on Eric Reed. But Jamel Hill in The Atlantic, she wrote in a piece, here's a snippet of it. And this comes from, you know, Jason Owens of Yahoo Sports. So, and basically it says, quote, by Hill, by leaving Kaepernick completely out of the mix, Jay-Z is now complicit, complicit in helping the NFL execute its strategy. Now he is an accomplice in the league's hypocrisy. I'm going to dissect that in two, in, in two different avenues. First and foremost, the league and the history of hypocrisy I've talked about on this podcast, she's not wrong. The league's hypocrisy. They're, they're hypocritical on domestic They're hypocritical in many departments. When it comes to this, to say that Jay-Z is complicit in executing his strategy, listen, I'm going to get to more into Kaepernick, but I'm going to say simply this, folks. There are 32 teams in the league. And listen, there are 32 backups in the league. If you had to ask me today how many are are better than Colin Kaepernick, I will say I can count them on the number of my hand. Not many are better than Colin Kaepernick. But we got to get over the conspiracy theory. We got to get over it. At some point, did we even bother to ask whether Colin Kaepernick was willing to be a backup in this league? It's the the Allen Iverson thing. Allen Iverson, toward the back of his career, did not want to come off the bench. And it, it affected his career. Not his legacy, but it affected his career. Because I didn't think anything less of Allen Iverson, because that's the way he is. Did we bother to ask that question? The league is not being hypocritical. The league is not saying... The league did not say no to social activism. What they're saying is that you don't do it on... Listen, there's a time and a place for it. And listen, and understand you're under the... Listen, the league is under the company's dime. You know, you're, you're on the company's time, Colin Kaepernick was. Okay, the league... You know, listen, hypocrisy in the league, yes, I get that point. But to sit there and say that Jay-Z was complicit, I can't agree. Listen, is it hypocritical of the league to jump? Yeah, sure. But to say he's complicit is completely irresponsible. So Bamani Jones, who works at ESPN, he says that Jay-Z talked, and then he was mentioning Stephen Ross, who supports Trump. They're trying to, quote, this is all quote are trying to play both sides. Each wants the world to know that he may be an apex predator capitalist, but beneath the cold cynicism cynicism that made each rich, there's a heart of gold and he wants to fix the wrongs of the world. Look, this is where Kenny Stills gets involved because he spoke out against his owner, his boss, and back to me and Brian Forrest and the first year coach said listen there's a better way to handle it and I agree with Brian Forrest listen you are in the league that's going to be my Eric Reed argument and then some that's a preview but with Kenny Steele if you have a problem with your boss 
asked to be traded, you know, listen, asked to leave or, you know, don't play. Because no one's saying that, this is what I say, nobody is sitting here saying that Kaepernick is not a great quarterback. I'm not saying but Kaepernick can understand that teams look could look at him potentially as a distraction. And they may not feel he can play in this league, even though I think he can. Listen, as bad as Terrell Owens was, Terrell, Terrell Owens was, maybe personality-wise, he still played in this league because his talent exceeded his ego. The question is, can Colin Kaepernick's talent exceed the, the perceived ego that he may have, which is not even an ego. That's the question. Teams feel that he's a distraction. Terrell Owens, when I say ego, is really I mean distraction. I course correction again. So here's the thing. Terrell Owens was only a distraction when the off the field stuff got involved with his talent. Same thing with Colin Kaepernick. Nobody questioned how good of a quarterback he was until he started he became a distraction he distracted the locker room and that point if I'm an owner that's a cause of concern listen he could right now there were teams like Denver there were teams that wanted Colin Kaepernick but was it worth it from a distraction perspective to bring him into your camp to bring him in to take focus off the team that's my only pushback and I don't care who these owners support. Okay, I don't care who they support. Because at the end of the day, and this is the penultimate thing, while the player has the right to do what they're doing, the owner has a right to do what they do. We can't sit there and say, well, you're not supposed to like Trump because, you know, no, it doesn't work that way. Because Stephen Ross has yet to come out and say, well, everybody get on board with Trump or get out. There's no ultimatum. So, I want to go to Eric Reed, who, by the way, has a job. This is what Eric Reed, oh, by the way, Colin Kaepernick, he thanked Eric Reed and supporters at the NFL and Jay-Z partnership. So here's the thing. This is what Colin Kaepernick said. He said, you never turn your back on me or the people, even when the NFL tried to silence your voice and the movement. You never flinched or wavered. I love you, brother. Let's get it. That was from Eric Reed. Okay. And to the people, I see you, I hear, and I love you. Thank you for having my back. Listen, this is what Eric Reed said in a full, I'll give you the full tweet. So, he was amongst others who were very critical. Listen, this is what Eric Reed said. These aren't mutually exclusive. He was responding from a sports center thing that everybody I know, everyone knows I agree with what you're saying and Kaepernick's underlying message. So, what are we going to do? Help millions and millions of people or we get stuck on calling not having a job. As Jay-Z defends Rock Nations to the NFL. I don't think what Jay-Z said was wrong. He said it's time to stop kneeling. He's not wrong for that. Because at some point, we got to move beyond that. We got to move because we get it. You kneeled. We get it. But also, 
And I'm going to get to Martyr in a minute, but I want to go back to Eric Reed. So Eric Reed essentially said to that quote, these aren't mutually exclusive. They both can happen at the same time. It looks like your goal was to make millions and millions of dollars by assisting the NFL and burying Collins' career. I'm not even going to read the rest because the rest of it, listen, it, it would be a whole hour segment. But I'm going to say this. Eric Reed, you have a job. Could I not sit here and argue and make this simple point that you're making millions and millions of dollars because you have a job. You kneeled. You did what Colin Kaepernick did and you have a job. So for you, listen, there are people in the league who support Colin Kaepernick and that's fine by me. But for Eric Reed to really sit there and tweet that, once again, as much as I respected James, Jamel Hill, I'm going to say the same thing with Eric Reed. Irresponsible. You're making millions and millions of dollars. Your checks has not stopped. Colin Kaepernick's check stopped because it became a distraction. No one's knocking, not the cause of social activism as a distraction, but he became the story. He became the narrative. And a lot of teams in the NFL said that, listen, his distraction outweighed his talent. Because I don't care how big of a distraction you are. If you could contribute to an NFL team, you'd be on the roster. Because you're not going to sit here and tell me that 32 teams looked at that dude and said, oh, he's done. And listen, he's been unsigned for three years. He's a quarterback. That's three more years on the body. That's three more years on the arm. I'm not saying that Kaepernick should have kowtowed and apologized, but what I'm saying is that he did what a martyr did. And people can understand. And for those who don't know what a martyr is, I'm going to tell you exactly what a martyr is. Look, a martyr essentially is a person, and I don't mean it in this context, A martyr is a person who is killed because of their religious or other beliefs. Or killed or killed someone because of their belief. Colin Kaepernick was not physically killed. He was killed because of his beliefs. He became a martyr for his cause. He knew that. Anybody who sits there and tells me that, oh, he didn't know the risk, they're lying. You take risks. Colin Kaepernick said himself, believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything. He sacrificed his career. He sacrificed his career. The minute he took that kneel, he knew that his career was being sacrificed. I'm not, once again, I may sound like a broken record here. I understand. Listen, he did what he felt was right. But listen, you work for a company that's the NFL. And like I said it before, I'm not going to go on that big spiel about company and work. I'm going to say this. You take that risk that your company lets you go. You take that risk of sacrificing everything. Guys like John Brown, Motor the King, they were martyred. John Brown, listen, got hung at Harper's Ferry back in 1857. You know why? Because he believed 
an armed insurrection was the way to overthrow the institution of slavery. He was hung for it. Martin Luther King wanted civil rights. He was assassinated in 1968. They died for what they're called, physically. Kaepernick killed his career the minute he did that. He knew that. I'm a big believer of second chances, but he has to understand he took that risk when he took that knee. He became a martyr, and now you sacrificed your career. Eric Reed, why would you go out and say, oh, people are blackballing? Then you don't play. Listen, it didn't affect you. If you would have got the same Nike deal and got the same publicity as, as Colin Kaepernick, you wouldn't be in the league. Because people feel that your talent exceeded your distraction. But if you keep up in the distraction value, it would exceed your talent, you'll be out of the door. Let's be clear on that. And let me be clear by saying that we'll be back with my LFL report right after this, and this is Sports in the World Football Edition. And welcome back into Sports and the World Football Edition. And if you're still listening to us, I truly do appreciate it. No matter the platform, I always appreciate it. And social media, one more time, is at Sports the World, both Twitter and Instagram. And on Facebook, it's Sports in the World page. Check out the content there as well. I want to talk about the LFL playoffs starting this weekend. I want to talk about Week 16 real quick, where the acoustic pulled out another one. They pulled out a close game against the Knights 20-18. And look, that was a very defense, that was a defensive battle. Both offenses were under 200 yards. Austin was 180, 186, Nashville was 156. So it was a very defensive game. The LFL, usually, you know, offense is, you know, galore, but, you know, sometimes defenses step up and both of them did here. And the Zebras <laughs> losing stripes. There's too many unnecessary penalties. You could argue there was one at the goal line. There was a couple of spot, you know, spotting the ball incorrectly. You know, listen, I'm not a ref. I risk it enough grief, but listen, that's not the first week I've seen an LFL game this season. And the officiating was, you know, subpar. Listen, every game's not going to be perfect, but there are more missed calls than good calls. Then I'll leave it at that. Listen, the acoustic were doing what good teams had to do. They won. They knew if they win, they secure that one seat. That's what that was the goal. And they did it even the slimmer, not their best game. Not all games are gonna be perfect. But it was a great game. But listen, just like I said about the uh Omaha Heart, I love the upside here of the nice. Listen, you got listen, Molly Richardson at quarterback. You got Bree Mosley, you got Nene Gleaves. Oriana Taylor, and you got Coach Danica Brace. This team has a lot of upside, and I think when you start seeing change, you can see some drastic changes probably starting as early as next season. You're going to see teams like Omaha and teams like Nashville. They're going to elevate because of not only the talent, but more importantly, the coaching. And that's why I talked about I talked about last week. Omaha, do they do they keep that coaching staff there? Because I think with Nashville, you have something there. And as much as I like Yuri Howard, Danica Brace is the head coach of this football team. 
the way that she was on the officials, like just like I was, the way that you hear her pregame speech, this is the head coach of the team. And mind you, I understand when, you know, everybody left for Seattle, essentially. She stuck on this staff. She got moved to defensive. Listen, she's the head coach in this league. And no disrespect to Yuri Howard, you know, but Danica Bray should be the head coach of this team next season. But with Austin Acoustic, listen, 0-4 to 4-0 in two years. What a turnaround. Listen, we got the Ferrari and Michelle Angel. Look, Michelle Angel hasn't played the quarterback position long. There's some growth. But, listen, you have the talent there. You, and you also throw in Mandy Pena, also at running back. She might be the starting running back next season. Listen, you got Cassandra Money Bill. Listen, you got Nicole Peterson, the center. You, listen, Megan Hansen. They got the Dowdy sisters. There's, It's a very loaded roster. And I guess one of my major concerns is putting it together. And I think that's one, but they put it together when it counted and they won the game close. Big win at Seattle. Jump started their, their run to here, I believe, potentially. So now we're into the LFL playoffs. And I said last week, and I promised you my prediction. And I want to start with the first game that's going to be played. It's going to be played Saturday, August 24th at the Toyota Arena, Ontario, California. That's a. 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. here on the East Coast, where I am. So, I want to talk about the Seattle Miss and Atlanta Steam. And FYI, I'm going to interview Lauren Ziegler, try to interview Lauren. She's super busy preparing. So, if you don't hear the interview on this episode, you'll definitely hear it next week. Because I've known Lauren for years. She's absolutely one of the... She's an LF, She's a Hall of Famer. And, you know, to talk about not only just the football, but her as a person. I think you'll, you'll love her if you already don't know her story. You'll get to love her there. So that was something I should have prefaced earlier. But listen, the theme of this, you know... The theme of this episode seems to be... I think they'll come at me with pitchforks. A lot of people will. But, listen. I don't run fast, so I'll probably be in the golf cart. But I want to do want to talk about the mist and the steam. Listen, to me, I look at Stevie Schnorr and Nicole Holster running backs. And listen, I have in my prediction Stevie Schnorr as the offensive player of the year, simply because I don't think she gets enough credit. No knock on Cassandra Bill, no knock on Mariah Lopez, but I could argue without the bull, without Stevie Schnorr. This team offense wouldn't be at is what it is. Like I said, when KK Matheny, you know, when she's off, you know, listen, like every great quarterback is, you need a great running game, and the Bull was that this season. And listen, Nicole Holes, potential rookie of the year. Look, listen, both of them, oh, FYI, this, the playoffs, all the five leading rushers all made the playoffs. Listen, and listen, the temptation who we'll talk about, they got Mariah Lopez and they got Ashley Stolarian. The Bull is second in rushing, close is four. So to me, going back to this, I think the running game is going to be very important. I think because when you have two good quarterbacks like KK Matheny and Dakota Hughes, 
I who we're gonna talk about uh, we're gonna talk about KK in a minute. But I think having a strong running game is very important, especially in this game, where sometimes we're focusing too much on the aerial attack. And listen, speaking of aerial attack, listen, KK Matheny versus this the steam secondary. Listen, Lauren Ziegler missed two games and she's still on the leaderboard in interception. I believe she's second or third in interception. Listen, KK Matheny's, you know, statistically is the best quarterback in the league. Listen, if I tell you that, listen, she has 11 touchdowns and three interceptions, she's efficient. She's smart. That's a veteran quarterback. Listen, don't listen. I always harp on completion percentage and all of that. But focus on, listen, she just wins because of that great running back with the ball. And listen, I look at the storm, excuse me, the steam secondary. I talk about Lawrence Zero and I talk about Amber Clark. That's a great secondary. I like I like the back end. I like what Dane Robinson is doing in the back end. Like the front end, I like it, not in love with it, but I absolutely love the back end of their of their defense. And maybe, you know, Lauren can can fill me in on the you know the defensive line. Listen, to me, it's Jade Randall and Dakota Hughes. These are the X factors. We saw a, a missed team lose to the acoustic without Jane Randall. That's why she's an X factor. That's why she could be the MVP. She could be defensive player of the year. She's going to be in the run for a lot of hardware. Listen, we always talk about can you win without your best star? I argue if you take either one of these players off, it changes the dynamic of the game. Dakota Hughes is an X factor because listen, and I talk about it. Dakota Hughes reminds me a lot of Matt Ryan. Listen, so many weapons and knows how to get the ball. She's got a Fezicon, Lauren Ziggler. She's got Michelle Martin. They're targets and there's talent. They're X factors. But to me, it comes down to Dane's defense versus Michelson's machine of an offense. Dane's defense is very good. I talked about the front line being a concern, but Michelson's offense hasn't been all that great either because when the passing attack fails, you know, things start to fall off if they're behind in games. And this game was super hard to pick simply because I factored in the X factors of Jade Randall to go to Hughes, but I looked at the rosters and I looked at the way they played this season. And listen, I'm going for the upset. I think the steam can pull this off because of the fact that I think that there's that chip on the shoulder to beat the mist to play for the championship. Because essentially here, it's going to come down to, I do believe, Dakota Hughes making a big play. And she showed me, even when they played winless Chicago, she made the right throw. When the moments are on, they needed that game against the Bliss to get here, to get to this point. I think she delivers a throw to either Lauren Ziegler, Jolia Fezikai. This offense will make the play, and Dane's defense will do enough, and they will be prepared and ready. So 31 to 30, I have steam over mist, and I want to talk about the other game. Austin Acoustic and LA Temptation, which could quite possibly be, not say the better of the two games, but the more physical 
of these two games could simply put Michelle Angel versus Ashley Salerno. And I said it. I give the edge to Ashley Salerno because of experience. She's won. Listen, both are championship quarterbacks. But Ashley Salerno, listen, remember who, you know, the five rushers? Listen, you got Mariah Lopez, the Ferrari, Nicole Holtz, the Bull, and then Salerno on the list. So she's a dual quarterback. She can move, she can make plays with her arm. She can move around that pocket. Go watch that game against the acoustic they played, I believe, two weeks ago to exemplify that point. Ali Salerno is a playmaker. Not saying Michelle Angel isn't, but Salerno has the experience and have and there's enough footage to prove it. And listen, how healthy is this temptation team? Listen, Sherry Iwaga, Marissa Lopez, Chelsea Hart, Hallie Gistra. Listen, if they're healthy, it's a game. Listen, they almost beat the best team in the LFL when they were injured. If they're healthy, this is a ball game. This is not your typical 1-4 matchup. Okay? The temptation are real. And listen, it's going to be a battle in that backfield. Like that's where it may come down to. It's going to come down to the Ferrari, the Hall of Famer, the GOAT versus Mariah Lopez. As I mentioned earlier, they're, they're, listen, the Ferrari leads the league in rushing. Mariah Lopez is third. The theme, I put that in both of the games because, listen, all the running backs are in the playoffs. Listen, if it's, if it's, and people are like, oh, well, but listen, I truly believe it's going to come down to the running game. And simply put, which defense will step up? The Dowdy sisters or the LA secondary? Listen, and for and listen for the Austin, listen, getting into the LA backfield. I'm not saying they can. I think the Dowdy sisters can, but once again, can that, can, once again, that temptation offensive line, can they somehow protect the edge? And talking about LA, you got to shut down Cassandra Bill. And I think a healthy Marissa Lopez is key to that. And TJ Anderson, you got Mo Gaxiola. There's talent on this temptation team. And in predictions, hard for me to pick, but once again, I'm going with the upset. I think the temptation can win. And listen, I just believe this season taught me is to expect the unexpected. I think that I seen the way that this the way this season has gone. I seen an acoustic team go on the road and beat the almighty Seattle Miss. And I almost saw the temptation almost do the same thing to the acoustic. I think that this is probably the year of the upsets. So once again, I have the temptation and steam in the final. And I look, you know, I may be right or wrong, but once again, catch those games this weekend, the second game, the acoustic and the temptation you can catch on Saturday, Sunday, August 25th. 2019 Toyota Arena, Ontario, California. That's a 7 p.m. Pacific. Here, 10 p.m. here on the East Coast. And once again, once again, the Lauren Ziegler interview, if it's not on this episode, I guarantee you it'll be on next week's episode. So look forward to that one way or the other. And look forward to what's coming up next 
is where, listen, I give you my top 12 teams in the NFL. That's next here on Sports in the World Football Edition. And welcome back into the final segment here of Sports in the World. And if you listen to us this long and this far in, thank you. I truly do appreciate it. Now, without further ado, we're going to go right into it. My top 12 teams in the NFL this season. And we're going to start, of course, at number 12. And I have the Cleveland Browns. Look, this is a very, very talented group. This is a very talented team. My five words for them. No experience in the kitchen. To me, that still gets to me. This guy has not been a head coach on any level, not even a coordinator. That concerns me. But listen, what I do like, listen, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, you got David Njoku. Nobody's talking about him. There's talent in terms of wide receiver. There's talent on this roster. And listen, Baker Mayfield, listen, some people say he's cocky. I say he's confident. And like Demi Lovato says, what's wrong with being confident? Four game-winning drives. He's tied with Russell Wilson with that. Listen, 12 yards of completion. Listen, I absolutely love Baker Mayfield. One of the things he's accurate, he's had an accurate ball ever since he came out of Oklahoma. To me, He's the right personality for this city. Listen, what Sam Darnold is to New York is what Baker Mayfield is going to be to Cleveland. Even though I still like Darnold a slightly more than Baker, I still take nothing away from the fact that Baker could potentially be the second best to come out of the draft class last season. I absolutely love him. And also... The GM John Dorsey. Look, he took an 0-16 team and then went 7-8-1 last in his first year. And listen, and he got listen, he got Greedy Williams, a great corner from LSU, in the second round. Listen, John Dorsey, big moves. He went out and got OBJ. He went out, got Olivier Vernon. Also, listen, when you don't get the talent now, you saw it with the Rams when they went out and got Marcus Peters. They went out and got Ndamukong Sue. They went out and they got talent on one-year deal to get Garrett to get you mean Jared Goff, who we'll talk about later. That potential talent around him when you don't have to pay the quarterback. John Dorsey's a smart dude, and I trust it. Listen, what I don't like, Brady Kitchen. Can he handle the egos in that locker room? Baker, OBJ. Can he handle that? If they start losing, can can he bring it together? Because Greg Williams is in. He's for the Jets now. He left. So can you handle the personality? And listen, he's the fourth best coach in this division. Listen, even though if you do the math, listen, I think they're the third. Listen, they're the second best team in this division. But he's the fourth best head coach because he doesn't have any experience. Even Zach Taylor is an offense coordinator. That's experience. That's more than Freddie Kitchens, who's been his career. He's been a tight ends coach, a quarterback's coach. He's never been a coordinator. And that concerns me 
And listen, I'm just not sold they can win the NFC East. Listen, you, listen, they got him plus 120. That to me is too high because of the team I'm going to mention shortly. Listen, I think it's a great story. I think that there's a chance that they could sneak in into the playoffs, into the wild card. Listen, I'm not on that Browns to the Super Bowl situation yet. What I see from this year will go a long way in how I feel about them being Super Bowl contenders because it's the AFC still. And speaking of which, at number 11, the Pittsburgh Steelers, my five words for them, Big Ben is still ticking. Look, we tend to forget with Ben Roethlisberger. Listen, he, he led the league in passing yards. He was fifth in touchdown passes and first in passing yards per game. By the way, he was second in total offense. He's the best quarterback in this division. And he's had 10 seasons where he's the top in quarterback rating. Listen, we tend to forget. Listen, they may not have Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown. Good riddance. Especially Antonio Brown. He's still playing at a high level. And I still think you got Juju Smith-Schuster. You got Vance McDonald. They're still talking. You got James Conner. This team is still talented. So what everyone, you know, we're always running here, we're running there. Listen, I could argue they got a top two coach in that in that division. Him and, you know, Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh won two. But listen, Big Ben's the best quarterback in the division. Everybody else. Andy Dalton, pfft. and you got Baker Lamar still have stuff to prove. He's the best quarterback in that division. Usually the best quarterback wins the division. And he's the best quarterback. Listen, defensively, they were tied for first in sacks, second in hit, getting to the hitting the quarterback. And TJ Watt, listen, he had 13 sacks, six forced fumbles. He was tied for third with someone we'll talk about later, Khalil Mack. He had 12 tackles for loss. Listen, just like his brother, listen, a dominant force on defense. This defense is very good. And that leads me to Devin Bush. He could be the guy to solve the Ryan Shazier problem at middle linebacker. If Devin Bush is what is sold, and Mike Tomlin, a great defensive guy, can get Devin Bush to play at that level, they're going to win this division. Folks, we sleep on them. Their defense is, I could argue, with the best of the, one of the best. It'll argue top five, maybe top, top, you know, top five, top ten defense in the, you know, in the league. And we just forgot about them. Because listen, I mentioned the whole, you know, no AB and no Le'Veon. But listen, beat Cleveland and beat Baltimore. They were 2-1-1 one one against them last season. Listen, I, I think the Cleveland games are going to be closer. The Baltimore game, and like I talked about with Baltimore, you know, with Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. You know, that season hinges on Lamar Jackson. So I have Pittsburgh at number 11, number 10 is the Kansas City Chiefs. Look, Five words, Mahomes getting the right read. Okay, I'm not talking about Tim Reed, I'm talking about Andy Reed. Listen, Patrick Mahomes, listen, NFL MVP, 50 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He's the AP Offensive Player of the Year. Listen, Mahomes is the real deal. That's why he's out of the year. Andy Reed knows quarterbacks. Listen, he's the best coach going to Andy Reed not to win a Super Bowl. Here's the thing he was 10 and 9. With Philly, 
He's two and five in the playoffs with the Kansas City Chiefs, and that could, and that's the thing that concerns. And once again, as I kind of mentioned, as I mentioned earlier on the show, we're talking about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. That this is that was Michigan's best team. This is Andy Reid's best team offensively. We'll get to the defense in a minute, which I always say, listen, they were thirty first in total defense. They lost Eric Berry. Listen, Steve Nelson, D. Ford, and Justin Houston. Listen, listen, they got Teron Matthew and they traded for Frank Clark, which was questionable to me because if you, because Justin Houston to me wasn't the problem, and neither was D. Ford. You had two, and now you invested in one, and essentially you don't have, you didn't get a first round pick because you sent it off to Seattle. And listen, I feel that they could decline because listen, defenses will figure out Mahomes. And listen, they're not a deep at running back. Kareem Hunt, gone. How deep are they at running back? That's a concern for me. And number 10, the Kansas City Chiefs. Number 9, the Chicago Bears. Simply put, my five words for them. The Midway Monsters are back. Listen, Khalil Mack. Six forced fumbles. Ten tackles for loss. Twelve and a half sacks. He's probably the third best defensive player in the league. I got J.J. Watt there at two. And we're going to talk about the number one guy, you know, who's going to be on this list later. Listen, that Khalil Mack trade said, okay, they are invested in defense. Because they understand that, listen, Trubisky, they understand the offense is still working. It still works at Matt Nagy, who I'm going to talk about. Still has to get the pieces there. Because listen, with Matt Nagy, in 2017, 13 touchdown passes. You fast forward to last season, 28. Folks, and Trubisky, listen. Trubisky got, listen, with Trubisky, he would do 59% last season, up to almost 67%. That's that's coaching. What did I say earlier? Coaching matters. Matt Nagy, offensive guy, and it matters. Also, they got HaHa Clinton Dix, who's, an, who's probably an upgrade from Adrian Amos because of the contract. Listen, what you're getting with Adrian Amos is, is that listen, he got a four-year, $37 million deal from Green Bay. But listen, you got HaHa Dix on a one-year deal. That's a very, very uh, listen, they got better. Listen, Eddie Jackson, Khalil Mack. This defense is very, very good. And listen, I don't think they're going to decline greatly because of Big Fangio now as head coach of the Denver Broncos. That defense is still there. The system is still there in their work. My only weakness is kicker. There are 27 in field goal. And right now they're kicking out between Eddie Pinato and Elliot Fry. Listen, naturally, I'd lean toward Eddie Pinato. He's a Gator. But it's a very legit battle. They need a kicker. Listen, we're talking, they make a field goal. This team, this team could have probably maybe gone to the Super Bowl. Maybe. So, that's the Chicago Bears at number nine. Number eight, the Philadelphia Eagles. And listen, five words for them, how high can they fly? I ask that because, listen, there's a talented roster. Carson Wentz, Brandon Graham, Malik Jackson. Listen, they got London. Listen, there's talent on this football team. They're a talented roster. Listen, let's say Fletcher Cox, Vinnie Curry, 
Jordan Howard, Nelson Aguilar, Deshaun Jackson. Out. This this team is talent. I the talent is fantastic. And Doug Peterson, he's four and one in the playoffs. He's a year two guy of Super Bowl. Doug Peterson, listen, working under Andy Reid, may have called plays, but he was a coordinator. I talk about that makes a difference. You're in the rooms. You're a coordinator. That matters to me. And also, what I also like is is that I like what Doug Peterson brings in from a mental aspect. And mind you, they probably slipped a little. But I think this roster is talented. But listen, the only weakness is Carson Wentz's health. He hasn't played a full season since 2016. And listen, is it a high? It's a high risk, high reward. If Carson Wentz is healthy, this is a Super Bowl team. But his health concerns me a great deal because Nick Foles, your backup, is now starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the question is, do you trust Cody Kessler, Nate Sunfeld? Do you trust the backups? So that's the Philadelphia Eagles at eight, number seven. The Colts. Five words for them is luck on their side. Simple. Andrew Luck's the key, but we're going to get to him in a minute. Listen, Darius Leonard in the defense, he was, you know, Darius Leonard, the AP Rookie of the Year, he had 111 tackles. He was first. And he also, he had six forced fumbles. Listen, Darius Leonard was a tackle machine. Listen, this defense is very, very legit. And the offensive line only allowed 18 sacks. Best in the league. Ryan Kelly and then Anthony Costenzo plays a big role. And listen, and don't forget Quentin Nelson where they drafted. When I hear out of Notre Dame. Listen, I like what Chris Ballard is doing. You build from the inside out. I absolutely love it. And listen, they're a sleeper AFC, AFC playoff team, but it requires a healthy Andrew Luck and that run game. They could not run the football. They figure that out. They'll be great. Speaking of which, Andrew Luck's health does concern me because when he's healthy, he's a top five quarterback. He's talented. If Andrew Luck is healthy as a top five quarterback, and FYL, probably on next week's episode, I'll give you my top five quarterback. Will he make the list? I don't know. But, well, in a way I do, but I'm not going to tell you. But the point is, well, at least not now. But, can they beat Houston? They were one and one again. Listen, and they were three and one against Tennessee and Jacksonville. If they can somehow beat Houston, pull out one and one, maybe beat them twice, this team could be that team. Listen, sneak in, do some damage, but Andrew Luck's health, just like I thought with the Eagles, the health of the quarterback is important. So the Colts are at number seven, number six, the Green Bay Packers. Listen, my, listen, the defense is really Gouda. See, I did there, cheese. Ah, forget it. Listen, Mr. Discount double check himself, Aaron Rodgers. 25 touchdowns, two interceptions. He really didn't pick up until the until about the back half of the season. Listen, he still had four over 4,000 yards passing. He was sixth in the NFL in passing. Look, I understand the criticism of Aaron Rodgers, but what I always say is this. He's probably the most talented quarterback who could have won more. And I think right now, the window for Aaron Rodgers is big. It's not as small as I think people think it is because they invested on defense. Aaron Rodgers, listen, I get it, but I think he's a smart dude. Last year, the wheels kind of fell off. You get a fresh start with Matt LaFleur, you can figure it out. I think they can win some games. Listen, in the defense, they got Adrian Amos, 
Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, defensive ends, and they drafted Rashad Garrett. And they got, listen, Darnell Shabbat, who they drafted. Look, they've overhauled that defense because it's been bad. Because, listen, that's on Ted Thompson. They invest in defense. So I'm tired of it. Oh, we blame Aaron Rodgers. He took the money because you offered it to him. He wasn't going to take a discount. He's the third highest, you know, quarterback by yearly average. So, of course, he was going to take the number. Of course, he was going to do that. And they're deaf at wide receiver. Listen, Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Devontae Adams, Jimmy Graham, he's, a, he's kind of a tight end wide receiver hybrid. Listen, Aaron Rodgers has weapons. My, you know, my thing is that with Matt LaFleur, listen, last season, the Titans offensive coordinator, they were 25th in yards passing. 25th in yards overall and 27th points. That concerns me, but it only concerns me because of his number. It doesn't concern me as much as Adam Gates. Adam Gates had three years, and those numbers were terrible. You know, so Matt LaFleur is not really a weakness, but Matt LaFleur, I think if you, you have a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, you can make it work. Green Bay at number six, number five. The Dallas Cowboys. Look, my five words for them is simply this. Is is it Dak or nothing? Here's the thing. Their defense, Leighton Vanderish, second in tackles right behind Darius Leonard. That offensive line may be the best in football. With Leo Collins, Teron Smith, Zach Martin. That's a, and then they drafted Connor Williams in the second round. Listen, this is, this is why I say... One of the smartest moves in draft in recent draft history is when when Jerry was gonna draft Johnny Menzel, his son said no. Draft Tyron Smith from USC, investment, and look at all pro and, and it works. And Zeke is the best offensive weapon on the team. Listen, I said it when I talked about pay or not pay. Either you pay Zeke, or cause listen, I compared Zeke and Dak to me. I Amari Coop, I uh, that to me, I may do a pay or not pay on that. Be, but with these two, it's pretty simple. You have to pay Dak because he's a quarterback. Zeke may be expendable, but listen, if you trade him, you can get value, but that'd be idiotic. Okay, that's like kind of trading like Barry Sanders. Could it's like if, if the Lions traded Barry Sanders, could you get equal value back for Barry Sanders? No, you don't get in the NFL. It's not like the NBA. In any trade, it's very hard to get back equal value. Unless it's draft picks, and you may get a couple of you. You get to demand two starters. So, I don't know what they're going to do, but Zeke is the guy. So I'll be curious to see how that continues to develop. My weaknesses, all on offense. Jason Garrett, nine seasons, three playoffs appearances. He's two and three. Kellen Moore. One season as a quarterback coach, now he's a coordinator. Dak Prescott, first in fumbles, 18th in QBR. Andy Dalton and Kirk Cousins are ahead of him in QBR. That's all you need to know. That's who's ahead of him in QBR. And that, of course, that does concern me. It's a deep concern. Because listen, going back to what I said about the Colts, listen, with the Colts, they don't have a running game. Listen, they were 22nd in rush yards. The Dallas Cowboys were a top five team rushing because of Zeke. So that's why I say having a running back of his caliber matters. 
Dak is nothing without Zeke. Zeke does not need Dak. Dak needs Zeke. Let's be clear on that. But you gotta pay Dak because he's the quarterback. And I talked about I talked about it last week. You gotta pay him Aaron Rodgers money because he has the most wins of the last three seasons. Every other stat he failed was a first and fumble. That's a concern. So that's the Dallas Cowboys at number five. Here we go. Top four. Number four. I have the Rams. Listen, my five words for them. There is another great AD. It's not just Anthony Davis in LA. It's Aaron Donald. He's the best defensive player in the NFL. Listen, 20 and a half sacks, 25 tackles for loss. Folks, he's the best. If you had to say which defensive players I would pay, and they both got paid, that's Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald. And, and listen, and, and J.J. Watt. Those to me are the best three defensive players in the game. So, it, may, it matters. Here's the thing. Offensively, second in total yards, second in yards per play, first in, in getting first downs, second in points. Listen, Sean McVay is a genius, and also with Jared Goff, this is what he did with Jared Goff. Fourth in passing yards tied for sixth in touchdowns. And listen, he was third in comeback, and he was tied. But listen, tied for first and fumbles. That's a concern. But listen, as long as you're putting up the points, and you're a top five passer, and you're in the top ten in touchdown passes, you're going to win football games. And listen, listen, the strength they play in the NFC West, look, they're 10-2 and two in the NFC West since Sean McVay took over in 2017. But they, they've had double-digit wins Back to back since oh since 2001 when the greatest show on turf. That team could potentially be better because this team here, once again, this is why I say what the weakness is that losing Roger Saffold, that you know, that offensive line is getting older. That concerns me, but also concerns me is simply Todd Gurley's knee. They drafted Dale Henderson in the second round in the draft, but Todd Gurley's knee, he's the highest paid running back in the league. At some point, you know, C.J. Anderson's not there. Once It's the same thing I talked about with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. Nick Foles is gone. C.J. Anderson is gone. Who's going to, if Daryl Henderson could be that guy, I have no qualms. But that's what concerns me is, listen, defensively, wait, Wade put defense. They were top 10 defense in a lot of stats. I couldn't say that was a weakness because Wade Phillips knows defense. I trust Wade Phillips. So that's the L.A. Rams at four. Number three the New Orleans Saints. Listen, five words for them. Breeze throwing bombs in Bayou. Listen. And he's throwing, he threw, he's going to throw a lot of bombs to Michael Thomas. He led the league in reception. Sixth in receiving yards. Eighth in receiving yards per game. And oh, by the way, he signed a five-year hundred million dollar contract in July. Listen. Whether we can argue top five receiver, but listen, he's he's the guy in the receiving position. That's the guy. And also, and listen, Breeze and Payton, 125 wins, 133 regular season and the playoffs. Listen, and we know who that's second to, probably a team that we're going to mention in a few moments. Listen. I've always said Walsh, Montana. You know, that's probably one of the best 
duos ever because they won together. You can argue Noel and Bradshaw. You can argue that these two kinetically are on the same page, and I absolutely love it. They're probably one of the great offensive listen since Walsh in Montana. But here's the thing. No Ingram and Max Unger. You know, no Mark Ingram and no Max Unger. That concerns me. But when you have Alvin Kamara back there, you know, it kind of alleviates my feeling. So Alvin Kamara has to be healthy. And also, there's a lot of depth in the... And that's a weakness for the Saints because, listen, the Rams, the Eagles, the Packers, the Cowboys, the Bears, there's so much depth in the NFC. And at some point consistency. The defense has gotten better under Dennis Allen, but that's a deep concern for me in that context of, they're just, they're very deep. Have they gotten over last year? That's also a thing in my mind. And now, here we are, the top two teams. Once again, Saints at three. Number two, I have the Chargers, that I'm going to get to watch. My five words on them, the championship window isn't bolted shut. It's not bolted. They did their charge bolt. Yeah, you get it. The defensive line, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram combined 12 and a half sacks, 15 tackles were lost, 25 quarterback hits. Listen, there and listen, this defense, ninth in rush yards allowed, and seventh in rush touchdowns. I love this defense. You know, even though with Derwin James, he's out for a couple of months. Look. This team is healthy. I you look at their roster, it's very kind of it's very hard to find a weakness. It's very hard to find a weakness. Because they're out listen, their offense is bad. They were 10th in passing yards, 18th in rush yards. Yeah, it's a little but listen, they're listen. That's balanced. And they were ninth in touchdown passes and ninth in rush touchdowns. They're balanced. Anthony Lynn does not get enough credit because look. Because we talk about, oh, when you got the talented roster supposed to do this, Anthony Lynn's done a great job and come in there offensively and got it done. And Ken Winston-Hunt is a big part of it as well. Also, Phillip Rivers, probably the best quarterback never to win the Super Bowl. He's a Hall of Famer. Listen, experience matters. That And the reason why I put them at two, I put them over the Saints and I put them over the Rams, is simply this, experience. Drew Brees has experience Drew Brees has a Super Bowl. But I believe... He Philip Rivers, this is the most talented team he's ever had. And I'm talking when this dude had Ladalian Tomlinson. Okay, I'm talking those teams. I'm talking th- this team could have potentially more talent than that team. Those those teams, I should say. Also, like I mentioned, Derwin James out three to four months with injured foot. Listen, the history of the franchise since Philip Rivers took over, they're five and six in the playoffs. And they have a 12 and 18 playoff record. That concerns me. The same thing with the Kansas City Chiefs. That concerns me. Is that when big moments come, they fold. But when you have Mahomes and Rivers for the Chiefs and the Chargers, respectively, it changes the course. Because I could argue, listen, the Chargers will win the AFC West. And like I said, the Chiefs, I think, take a step back. I think maybe a little. Because I think the Chargers have so much upside. But my number one team 
has been the most consistent team the last 15, 20 years, and that's New England Patriots. Look, five words, don't act all that surprised, people. Tom Brady, 30 and 10 in the playoffs, 63.2 completion percentage in the playoffs. Listen, Bill Belichick, probably the best coach in NFL history. You can argue in all the sports, but that's a whole different conversation. Listen, I understand, listen, they may clash, in it, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if Brady needed Belichick or Belichick needed Brady. They just went together. It's the odd couple, and it works. If Oscar Madison can stay with Felix Unger in the same house as the odd couple, this is the odd couple, and it works, and it meshes together. And also, that offensive line, third view of sacks, and Dante Scarnecchia is the offensive line coach. Listen, they brought him out of retirement, and that makes a difference. That's why I say coaching matters. You hear me say that a lot. It does matter. Also, Nikhil Harry, 6'4", 225. That guy could be the next rock. Potentially be the next rock. And then you get Josh Gordon back. See how that mixes in. So, listen. I hear Max Kellerman talk about, oh, there's the cliff. Listen, of course when you get older, you're going to decline in some past. But you're not. He's not fought the face of the earth. Okay? Brady, under, Brady understands the game becomes more mental the older. Once that number in your age gets up, that physical age gets up, your mental age has to get higher also. Because if you're, listen, if you're young, your mental, you know, your mental IQ Football IQ is not going to be that high, but the older you get, players last long in the league because of the mental IQ. That's why Brett Favre played as long as he had. That's why you see Ben Roethlisberger and Rodgers. The mental IQ makes a difference. Listen, I just think the defense, listen, 30th in sacks, 22nd in yards allowed. But listen, they were fourth in interceptions. Take it as you will. But listen, that AFC East has just got more competition. You heard me talk about the Jets being a sleeper team. You heard me talk about the Buffalo Bills. You hear me talk about those things. Because, I and I meant it. I meant it about the Jets. I was all in on the Jets. I said either, because listen, the only thing that gets me, Sam Darnold. The only thing that gets me with the Buffalo Bills is essentially Josh Allen. There's talent on I think they can figure it out. And what we have to figure out, and what I figured out, is that we're out of time for this episode of Sports in the World Football Edition. And I'll and I'll hear you. You'll hear me next. You hear me next Tuesday here, and you hear me Friday. Well, you and I will go together on Sports in the World Football Edition journey. Have a great day.